Good morning, friends. How we doing? Doing well? Well, my name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor, and just awesome to see how many people are here at our second service. And I said a little bit last week is we're changing and gearing up for possibly, not possibly, but we will be at three services here very soon. So we can keep, if God's blessing, then we're going to keep following God's blessing. And you notice a little different stage behind because we are just we're just away. We're a couple more decisions away of streaming online and having our first online campus here at Radiant Life. So again, you're going to start to see some changes in for that. So we're really excited what God is doing, and uh, I hope you guys are ready for this new series at the movies. But let me ask a question. How many of you are movie buffs? You love movies. All right, good. How many of you haven't seen a movie in 20 years? All right, a couple of you as well. I like to consider myself a movie buff even though I don't go to movies. Like, that is such an oxymoronic statement right there, but I just, I, I can't afford that. That's too pricey. Unless it's Star Wars, I'll pay to go see that movie right there, all right? But we all have our favorite movies, and I just wait till they come out on Netflix, and I'll, I'll watch it that time, that way, and I can sit there and binge watch it over and over if I have to. But we all have a favorite movie. So on the count of three, I just want you to shout out your favorite movie. Oh, boy, I know. Pastor Josh asked me that this week, um, what our favorite movies are, and I, I wrestled with it for days. Like, wow, there's so many good movies out there, but it can be a series or whatever. So on the count of three, just shout out your favorite movie. One, two, three. Yeah. Awesome. So, one of my favorite movies of all times, I love the Star Wars uh, trilogy and beyond. I love Indiana Jones, because... Being a kid for a little bit, I wanted to be an archaeologist, and uh, my favorite movie of all time is Inception, because that plays games with your mind, and you really got to pay attention, because it's like you're in a dream within a dream within a dream, and it's just, it is awesome. So check out Inception. It's a pretty good movie, but at the movies, one of the things that we're going to do, this is a three-part series, and then at the end of October, we're, as Pastor Brandon said, we're bringing in Joseph Single to come in and speak on finances for us. He's kicking off a new series at the end of October called Changemaker. And we're going to be in that for three weeks. So at the end of October, he's coming in. He kicks it off. I'll do two weeks of it. And then the Sunday right before Thanksgiving, we're bringing in a Christian Dove award-winning artist and a Grammy nominee to share his testimony and sing for us as well. So that's a huge thing. And that's all leading us up into the Christmas season here at Radiant Life. And one of the things that I love about movies is that it just puts us in the same story. It's the way Jesus taught was parables. They're just stories of his time. And this morning we're going to look at a movie that is my favorite World War II movie. And a little disclaimer, anytime we talk about a movie, just note that there is some inappropriate things in movies and we all understand that. And this war movie, Hacksaw Ridge, let me get it here. There we go, Hacksaw Ridge. How many of you saw Hacksaw Ridge? A lot of you. It's an incredible, it's based on a true story. And uh, we're going to dive into that this week. Next week, you're not going to want to miss next week. We're doing The Greatest Showman. And it is a fantastic movie. And you're going to not want to miss the opening of the message. And I'm going to have to have volunteers up on stage. And it's just going to be a fun time next week. And then we close this series out with a look at I Can Only Imagine and the power of one topic we're going to touch in a couple weeks. So stay with us. But let me explain Hacksaw Ridge, World War II movie, 
based on a true story of the life of this guy right here by the name of Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss was a Seventh-day Adventist. He was a Christian pacifist. He was anti-war and violence, but yet he still chose to enlist into the army and into the military and serve his country. But he had a devout belief deep down into the Ten Commandments. And the one commandment particularly that plays out in his life is, you shall not murder. And it's like, well, that's interesting because you chose to go into war and everything, and we'll unpack that. But one thing he promised and made a vow, that even in he enlisted, he would never carry a gun. But one thing he always carried, because he had a fierce devotion to God's word, and he carried it everywhere he went in the military, was God's word was always with him. Any downtime, he would open it up and start reading and getting into the Bible. And in fact, the guys in his platoon did not like Desmond Doss. They fact, they told him that he's a coward. How are we ever going to trust you if we go into battle and they're firing guns at us and you don't have a gun? How are you going to protect us? And in fact, Desmond Doss got bullied by his own platoon. And in fact, he got into many fights. He never wanted to throw a punch because he's a pacifist. He doesn't believe in it. But one thing he said, I'm going to stand up for what I believe. And he just had that deep conviction in his heart of who he is as a follower of Jesus. And he got beat up several times by his own men in his platoon. But something radically changed for his entire infantry. In May of 1945 in Okinawa, Japan, Desmond Doss and his troops had to go to war without a gun strapped to his shoulder. He didn't know what he was going to do. But he decided, I think I'm going to live out my faith and share my faith with my guys because that's what I believe deep down. And he goes to war and instead of ever firing one shot, he ends up going and saving 75 of his own men without ever firing a shot. See, Desmond Doss lived a life of faith. He didn't allow his faith just to be this Sunday morning experience. He lived it out 24-7. Not only did he save 75 of his own men, Desmond Doss not only saved their lives, but he saved their souls for eternity. He led people to Christ in his, in his platoon. And my question for us as we're going to unpack is how can you and I live that same faith? Faith under fire that Desmond Doss lived out. It's such a phenomenal movie. What I loved about Desmond Doss is, do you notice that prayer? Lord, help me get one more. One more. Every time he went to save someone and he lowered him down the cliff, he said, Lord, help me get one more. And I started to wonder, what a great prayer to pray. I mean, he's under the hellfire of war, and he's praying, and all in his mind is souls. That's what he is imagining. He's not worried about his life, or whether he got shot. He's just, God, just help me get one more life, one more life. And sitting there and say, what an awesome prayer. And I look back at my own prayer life and say, man, sometimes we pray some silly prayers, don't we? Like, imagine for some of us, we taught our kids, and maybe you, if you have kids, you're or maybe you grew up and had your mom or dad praying this over you at night, and there's this prayer, common prayer, that it goes this way, and I'm going to butcher it because I didn't do it with my kids, but maybe you guys can help me because I'm going to literally butcher this prayer. But it goes something like, um, 
Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I awake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And we tuck our kid in and say, good night, sweetie. I'll see you in the morning if you survive the night. (laughs) Now, if you pray that prayer over your kid, God bless you. Like, just know your kid may be terrified at night. Like, oh, we just pray some funny prayers, right? And then I think sometimes we, we pray for our food. And just, just a blessing. And I've, I've kind of changed the way I, I pray for my food. I, I always pray for the, uh, that God would bless the hands that made my food. Uh, particularly if I go out to a restaurant. Just say, God, bless the people in the back that made my food. Just bless them. And, um, but some of us, I know what you eat. And your prayer is, God, would you newer, newer, just, would you just bless this food to the nourishment of my body and yet, I just blessed this double cheeseburger with fries. I'm going to say, this is going to be more than one prayer you need God to bless you with, all right? And we just got done with the St. Joe County Fair, and we're like, hey, God, bless these fried Oreos, right? However you can help me, just bless this right here. These are gross. Anyone like these? God bless you, right? But fried Twinkies are delicious, <laughs> I'm pretty sure God ain't blessing any of this when we consume it, all right? But I love the heart of Desmond Doss. When things got real, his prayer was always for the others. Hey, Lord, one more, one more. This morning, we're going to jump into the Newer Testament and look at a book that, just like Des Doss, how he lived out his faith and was willing to share it and save not only the physical lives of his people, but save lives spiritually as well. So jump into the Newer Testament, if you will. Open up your Bible, your tablet, or phone, and turn to the book of Philemon. Philemon, and there's only one chapter. So it's just chapter one, and we're going to look starting in verse four. But as we get there, I'm going to explain what's happening to Philemon. This is a really personal letter to a guy by the name of Philemon. And what we know is Paul's over in prison in Rome. And uh, Philemon is a wealthy businessman in the ancient world. He was very wealthy, and he had some slaves. And one of the things that Philemon did is he, he, he was so wealthy, he had a church just in his home. His home was big enough. They just had a church home group, and things were doing awesome, and, and they're just living out the message of Jesus to people. And Philemon, being wealthy, he had a slave by the name of um, oh, One- Onesimus. Let me hear you say Onesimus. Phenomenal name, and that slave ran away from Philemon. He runs away from him, he ends up in Rome and gets in prison, and he meets Paul. Paul gets him saved in prison. And Paul says, hey, you got to go back to your master, Philemon, as a follower of Jesus and make it right because you didn't do what you're supposed to do. You, you, you ran away from him. Just And by the way, when you go back to Philemon, make sure you tell him, how you met Jesus, and you're a changed person. So Onesimus says, yes, sir, goes back, and we have this letter that's written in the, in the Roman prison back to Philemon, encouraging him, say, hey, keep up the good work. Onesimus, your slave, he's a good dude. He loves Jesus now, and just a, a plea for him. And this is where we jump in, and Philemon chapter 1, only one chapter, verse 4, says this. I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, 
Because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Now think about this. Paul's in prison in Rome. And he's hearing about the faith of Philemon. Can you say the same thing? Can your coworker say, I know about your faith just because the way you live it out. Can your classmates say that? Can your friends and neighbors say there's something different about it, about you? There's this you're radically different. Can they say that they, they've heard about your faith? And that's what Paul's saying is keep it up. I'm thanking God because, man, I'm hearing about what you're doing, and you're doing awesome things for Jesus. And by the way, you just have this deep love for all the saints, for all of God's family. Keep up the good work, Philemon. And he says this, I pray that you may be, can we read these five words together? Active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ And I absolutely love this because this has been my prayer for us all week. Is this idea that if there's the best thing you can pray for you and you're in brothers and sisters in Christ, not just here at Radiant Life, but in the church worldwide, is that pray that we're active in sharing our faith. That our faith just isn't this once a week thing and we're good on Sunday and I got my Jesus fill and just can't wait for next week. No, 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 no. That you pray that they're active. It's it's not passive in sharing your faith, it's active. There's a verb there that you and I need to go out. And what happens if we don't do this is we turn everything in our faith inwardly and we only focus on us, yet there are hurting people in this world who need to know the gospel message of Jesus Christ, that he's a change maker. He offers forgiveness when you beat yourself up over and over, over and over. He's there to pick you back up. The world needs to hear that message. Can I get a good amen? They need it. And here's, you know, what Jesus told his disciples when he's done with them and he ascends back up into heaven. He tells his 12, or now 11, because one committed suicide, but he tells his 12 disciples, hey, go and just stay at home and lock yourself away from people. No, he didn't say that. He said, go into all the world. Share who I am. Start baptizing them. Go change the world. But in order to do that, God's plan is for you and I to be active in sharing our faith. But Ryan, that sounds really good and really important, and I I should do it, but I, I just have it. And we have reasons why we're... I think for some of us, we're just busy. We just haven't shared our faith because if I'm just honest, life gets to us, doesn't it? It just gets really busy and we just are doing the to-do list on the calendar and we sit there and we're like, man, I didn't even know if I read my Bible, if I prayed or just shared my faith with people that are in my sphere of influence that I work with. It's just, life happened and we don't share. Here's an some of us are afraid of just, if, if I share, I'm going to get rejected. And that's a common emotion that none of us like to share is rejection. We just don't like it. And we're afraid if we come out and try to be too Jesus-y on someone, we're going to be rejected. And here's a warning. We don't want to feel weird. I don't want to be the label weird person at work. I don't want to have that label. And guess what? 
as a, if you follow Jesus this morning, we ought to look a little different than the culture that we live in. You ought to look a little weird. You ought to do everything a little bit backwards because we put God first and not our own needs first, but the world says, put you first. We ought to look a little counter-cultural in our conviction and our faith. You ought to look a little weird. But I was at Michigan Stadium, uh, second greatest place on uh, outside of heaven, and uh, okay, maybe third, this may be the greatest place, how about that? Uh, and I, I walked out of a game, I kid you not, there was a guy there, had this massive sign, and uh, I think he was in overalls, and that's the way he's holding this thing, it's massive, and we walk out of the stadium, and he's right there, and here's what the sign said, it says, Jesus loves you, you're going to hell. tell you, my blood was, I was getting holy anger going on right there. I'm like, we're never going to win people over if that's what we do. We're not. You're not connecting with people. All you're doing is shouting, there's great truth. Does Jesus love you? Absolutely. Whether you follow him or not, Jesus' love does not change. He loves you so intimately and so much. But why do we have to sit there and say, hey, you're going to hell, by the way. And, I'm sitting, and he's shouting this too. And I'm like, oh my goodness. We're, we're missing it right here. I'm going to tell you what. To the 100,000 plus fans that were there, he looked weird. All right? Turn to your neighbor and say, you look weird. That's a compliment today. We ought to look a little different, okay? Hey, why else aren't we active in sharing our faith or living our faith out every day? Here's another reason I think is um, we just don't know how. I don't, I don't know how to share it. And, and some of us are like, just, just preach a class on it. I'll come, I'll come and sign up for the class and just tell me how to do it. I don't know how to share my faith. How do you do it? Is it A, B, C, D, E, and I'll follow the steps? How do I do it? But I think the number one reason why we don't share our faith is that we don't feel we know enough. I just, what happens if I start sharing my faith with a non-believer and they start getting all, all these crazy ideas, and I, I, can't, I can't refute it. I don't know how. I don't know enough. Can I just let you know, you will never know enough. You got to be okay with that. You have to be okay. I was terrified when I got into ministry 10 years ago. I was at a church where I, got, I would get on stage as the teaching pastor, and um, my lead pastor and I would share about every other Sunday, and I had to look out at the congregation, and there were four former lead pastors out in the congregation. I was terrified. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to get up here and they're going to know way more than me and it's just going to be a train wreck and I would never make eye contact with them because I know like they're probably like, nope, that's wrong. That's not, he did that exegesis wrong or whatever. I was terrified. But I got into a relationship with Jesus as I grew closer to him and realized I'll never know enough and I'm okay with that. And yet I hold a master's from seminary. I have a master's degree. I don't know enough still. But every single day I'm in God's word. Teach me more, teach me more, teach me more. We just got to be okay knowing we won't know enough. So how do we do it? If these are some of the reasons why, how do we do that? But Philemon has the answer. Look at what Philemon says back in... I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. What are these two words? So that. So that. So you're active in sharing. Don't stop sharing. So that you will have 
full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. So share your faith so that you'll have understanding. We have it backwards. We say, when I understand, I'll share my faith. And finally, he says, no, 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 no. Share your faith, it's going to produce understanding in your life. Let me, let me put it in, this, in these terms. You go and share your faith to whomever that God has in your life. Begin to share what's happening. And as a result of sharing your faith, you're going to start impacting and changing lives. Your life will be different. I promise you that. Your life will be different. And those that you're sharing your faith with, they're going to be impacted too. And you may not see the fruit right away. You may just be the seed in their heart. And someone else is going to come alongside and start watering that thing. But as soon as you start impacting and changing lives, you're going to get a better understanding that Philemon says. That understanding is going to come and you're going to realize, wow, my faith does matter. I'm seeing impact. I'm seeing change. And you're getting excited now. You're growing. You're seeing impact on other people. And now you're getting a fuller understanding of the good works that God has in you. And then from there, you're going to get an outward loving focus. And when you start to understand, man, I, we've got the greatest message and I got to go share it now. And your heart and mind are going to change from all about you to other people. And then it's going to hop again and you're going to start sharing your faith. There's a, there's a cycle to sharing our faith. But here's the reality. Do you know about 97% of Christian followers, of Christ followers, don't share their faith? It's just gone. You know what they rely on? The paid people that are in churches to share the story. Which is partially true. You invite people, we'll give them Jesus. But you got Jesus too. We only have one hour a week. Parents, let me talk to you and put a pause for a minute. We maybe have 60 minutes with your child per week. They're in your home and in the schools far longer than church world. What are you doing in the home to impact your child's faith? You have more time with your child than we do. You got to be doing something. And then all of a sudden when we're not sharing our faith, then we're not impacting and changing lives anymore because we're too just closed off because all those fears come to head. And when we're not sharing our faith, we're not having understanding that Philemon says, hey, so that, go and be active in sharing your faith so that you will have full understanding. And if we don't have understanding, then we're just going to focus inwardly and we're not going to love people the way Jesus loved. And if we're not loving, then we're not sharing our faith again. And it's just this whole cycle of what Philemon is getting after for us. So my question sits here and goes, okay, I understand that we got to start sharing our faith. And we're in this at the movie series and realize Hacksaw Ridge and that's what Desmond Doss, that's great, that's him, but that's not me. I'm private, my faith is personal, I just don't do that. And for some of others of us, we're sitting here going, okay, I'm... I, Man, I, I want to be that light in this world. How do I be this light in this darkness? And listen, you were never told to hide from darkness. You're told as a Jesus follower to go shine your light in the darkness. Allow a little light to pierce the dark. Every morning when my kids go to school, I take them. I pray for them. And the last word I pray for each of my kids individually is that God 
that their light would shine for you in their classroom. That their light would shine for you. Just allow a little bit of light to pierce the darkness. So I'm going to give us this morning four ways that you and I can be active in sharing our faith and live it out more than what this Sunday morning thing is. So friends, are you ready? We're going we're to try that again. All right, just one more time. Friends, are you ready? Yeah. Oh, man, I love kids. They're good. Here's first. You ready? Be loving and direct. Be loving and what? You can't love someone fully if there's not truth there. And sometimes people don't like hearing truth. But listen, they will never hear truth if you're not connecting and loving them in the first place. I love in the book of Acts chapter 2 when the church starts and you've got Paul up there, or Peter, and Peter's sitting there going, hey, listen everyone. And he's got a crowd. He's about ready to preach. He says, listen everyone, you need to repent You've got some things in your heart that are wayward and we need to get back. And I'm going to tell you, there's a change maker out there and his name is Jesus and you've got to come in relationship with him. He was direct, but he loved them. And that day, 5,000 people got saved for God's kingdom and he began to baptize people. And it just started this awesome movement for 2,000 years that hasn't been squashed yet because it's real and it's active. But we've got to love people. But at times, we've got to be direct too. Hey, I'm going to love you, and I'm going to love you and love you, but there is things in your life that we just allow God to chisel away at your heart because you're better than that. There's an enemy of your soul that wants you crushed. Don't let him crush you and win you out. Here's the second way, and this could be your greatest love weapon. Share your story. Share your what? Share your story. See, I remember growing up and being a teenager, and you go to these big youth events, and part of it is they got these great speakers with incredible stories, those drug addict stories and those prostitution stories. And you're just in awe of what God can do in the midst of those dark and horrible moments in people's lives. And I remember being a teen like, yeah, yeah, I want that story. And I'm like, no, I really don't want that story. But it sounded so cool and what God's doing. And then it dawned on me, we all have a story. Some of our stories are great. We got addicted to drugs and God redeemed us. Some stories are great where as a husband and spouse, you guys are so far and got and just reconciliation and it's just been beautiful. And some people have the grandiose story. But even people like me who don't feel like I have the biggest story to tell, I do have a story. I'm going to tell you how Jesus changed my life. I'm going to tell you how I'm forgiven. I'm going to tell you what Jesus means to me. And here at Radiant Life, all of us as staff, we shared our stories about two years ago now, almost two years this winter, that our worship leader, JB, shared his drug addiction story, and how he was in and out of rehabs through and through, and he had crystal meth stuck up in his nose because he's snorting too big of crystals. He should have been dead, but by God's grace, he saved him, and here he is leading worship every Sunday. Come on, give me a better amen than that. We got stories. 
We talked about Pastor Brandon was up on stage two years ago and talked about his story and his addictions after his mom was tragically killed and died of, of, of cancer that got and won her over. And he talked about going from addictions and drugs and eating and just things that were happening in his life. And that's the way he coped with things. But praise God, now he's on staff at a and God's doing things with him. And Pastor Patricia shared with you guys of her story of being in the foster care system and, and that idea of love and feeling accepted. And Pastor Josh talked about fear as a kid and fear and how decisions he made were all based on fear and how God's delivering through him. And I shared my story of anger and my wife almost at the time when she was my fiance, almost walked out of our relationship because I had so much fear and it scared her, or I had anger in my life and it just scared her to death. And she's like, if you don't change it, I'm out of here. I can't live with this and my addiction to things online. And I'm telling you, God is a change maker. You got a story, church. You got a story. And I love the story that was shared in John chapter 9 in the Gospels, which is just a fancy word for the, the life of Jesus, the message of who Jesus is. And in John chapter 9, a blind man comes to Jesus, and uh, he wants to be healed. He's been blind his entire life. And the uh, disciples are there, and they're bickering back and forth. Well, okay, God, um, or Jesus, who sinned? Did his mom sin, and that's why he's blind? Or did his dad sin, and that's why he's blind? And here's what Jesus says in John chapter 9, verse 3. But this happened, referring to his blindness, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, some of you are going through just horrible things right now. And it may never have been part of God's plan, and he's hurting because you live in a broken world. I'm going to say, give it over to God and let him be displayed through you, through your pain. Go and say, you know what, God, this isn't about me. You know my heart, and I don't like going through this. It's pain, but you know what? Do what you got to do in me, so let your light shine for the world to see. And it's hard in those moments, but I'm telling you, it's amazing when you get close to the heart of God, what he's going to do to you. It's amazing. So the guy's sitting there, and Jesus says, heal me, heal me, heal me, Jesus. So one thing I like to do is jump into the story. So if you will, let's just... Let's just have everyone just, let's just close our eyes like we're blind. Remember, you, you, you can't see a thing. Years of your life, and you've been hearing about this Jesus, and you know he's in town, and so you're going to go and find where he's at, and you're asking God, Jesus, Lord, heal me. And the next thing you hear is this. Now open your eyes. Because Jesus just spat in the mud. Spat? Spit in the mud. And he's going to take the mud that he just spit in. Put it to the guy's eyes. Say, hey, now go wash it in that pool over there. And you're going to see. And I imagine being blind sitting there going, when you hear that, what? <laughs> what was going through that blind guy's eye in, or in his head? Like, what? <laughs> I came to get healed, not spit upon. All right? But then he, he listens. He goes to the pool, washes it off, and he begins to see. And here's the reaction from the crowd in verse 9. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging ask, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claim that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I'm the man. 
How then were your eyes open, they asked. And here's the story. He replied, the man they call who? It's going to change your life. Jesus made some mud. He didn't tell him he spit on it. I wish he really did. Like how, that's, a, that's a greater story to tell people. But he said, hey, he made some mud, and he, he put it on my eyes. He told me to go to the shalom and wash, which was the pool. So I went and washed, and then I could what? See, see, he's telling the story of, listen, you remembered me begging and blind, and every day I'm begging for something to happen, but I'm going to tell you, I met the man they called Jesus, and he changed my life, and now I can see. Friends, you have a story. It's your most powerful weapon, what God has done in your life. Go share it to someone. If someone in your life needs hope, and they need to hear your story, go share it. And ultimately realize it's your story, but whose is it really? It's his story. And we rob him of glory when we don't share it. We rob him of glory when we don't share it. Go share it. All right, two more. This is good stuff, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, this is good stuff. I'm telling you, I've been praying for you all week, friends. I've been praying for you that we'd be active in sharing our faith. You gotta be active. Here's the other one. Invite people to where? Dude, it is so easy. We try to make it the easiest way for you to do that. It's just... Those invite cards, there they are. I, I would never ask you to do something I'm not willing to do. I got invited, I didn't get invited. I invited two other people to come into this service today. And I'm willing to go out and share and ask, what, ask from you what I would do too. It's just grab those cards. We try to make it as easy as possible. And all you have to say to someone is, hey, I'll even sit with you. Just give me an hour to an hour and 10 minutes of your time. That's all I'm asking. I will sit with you and let's just... I just want to give you a glimpse of who my Jesus is. That's all. You know, it's really awkward when I invite people because I'll say, hey, come to church. You got to check out Radiant Life. And they're like, well, is the pastor any good? <laughs> well, <laughs> like, well, what are you supposed to say in that moment? And so uh, just this past week, no, um, when we kicked off Toxic Church together, uh, I was with someone who invited someone right in front of me. They invited got into his wallet and gave him and said, hey, come to church. And that's what he said. He says, how's the pastor? He didn't realize I was the lead. And, and the guy said, oh, he's good. He's a good guy. And I turned and I said, I heard he's a jerk. So I was like, dude, got to soften that down. I'm a jerk. So then they come and maybe get surprised. I don't know. Just invite someone to church. It's super easy. I told you we're about ready to go to three services soon. Probably don't Take my word on it yet, but maybe the new year we're going to go to three services. We just have to. We're going to go online. We have to because we got the greatest story to tell, and people need to hear about it. They need to hear about it. Here's my last. How are we going to be active in sharing our faith? Listen, live a life others would want. Oh. Live a life others would want so when they see you, they say, what's so different about you? Uh, Peter and Silas, they were in prison in the book of Acts, I believe about chapter 7, this was happening, and they're in prison, and they're holding a worship service right there in prison cell, and they're just worshiping, and all of a sudden, since an earthquake, the ground began to shake, and the, the doors of the jail flew open, and there's a jailer there who's about ready to go hang himself because he knows, listen, Rome is occupying, and if I let these guys that were trying to squash this Jesus movement out, if I let them go out, I'm dead anyways, and Peter and Silas get there and say, hey, don't do that. He says, but I, well, there's something different about you. 
And they were worshiping in the midst of horrible time. I'm going to tell you, I was having a bad day the other day. I woke up just grumpy. Anyone else can wake up grumpy? You know what I'm talking about, right? Absolutely woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I was grumpy, and I got into the shower, and I said, no, I need some worship music right now. I played worship music, finished my shower, and I came out like Dr. Hyde, or Jekyll, whatever, Hyde, or whatever, you know what I'm talking about. I came down a changed person, let me say that, because I worshiped in the midst of my chaos. And that's what Peter and Silas are doing. They're worshiping. I'm going to tell you, it's going to change your mind when you worship. It's going to change your mind. It's going to change your attitude. It's going to change your actions. And that jailer says, is there something different? I want that. And they led him to Jesus. Changed him. I'm telling you, live a life. For some of us, you were, live a life others would want when they look at you. See, you were just diagnosed with cancer. Yet you look so joyful. Because my joy doesn't come from a doctor's report. My joy comes from Jesus. And he gives me the grace to wake up every single day. And I'm just grateful for another day in life. But how I know your kids are going wayward, and it's been on your heart. And how can you just wake up? Because I pray every day, Lord, don't let a root of bitterness grow in my heart. You got to take it. That's how I can still love my kids, even though, oh, man, they are driving me nuts. Oh, yeah. But I'm not letting a root of bitterness. I'm giving it to Jesus. How can you forgive that person when they did? That was horrible what they did. I can't forgive them, but by the forgiveness and power of Jesus through me, I'm able to. And every morning, I may have to wake up every morning and say, God, help me forgive that person again. Help me forgive them again and again and again. Listen, live a life others would want. Your light will shine for Jesus, and they're going to know you're different. So here's what I want my last statement. Know this, friends, and this is so powerful. When you share your faith, when you share it, you play a part of a divine story that God chose you and me to bring his message to the world. But when you're active in sharing and living it out more than just a Sunday thing, you're playing a part in his story where lives are impacted, including yours. You're going to change. Other people are going to change. And here's the beauty. You'll always be reminded of who Jesus is. So you don't just have to come here once a week for an hour to be reminded of who Jesus is. Every day, if you live that out, you're going to change. Others will change. You're going to be reminded, man, I know who Jesus is, and I'm glad I'm walking with him every single day for his forgiveness, for his grace, for his mercy, for him reaching down his hand and picking me up every time the devil gets me down. He's there to say, I got you, son. I got you, daughter. For Desmond Doss in Hacksaw Ridge, he lived it out. You know why the movie's called Hacksaw Ridge? Because of this hill right here. His platoon had to climb that. And they said the Japanese were just waiting right there with their machine guns to plow down all the American troops. They said it's called Hacksaw Ridge because the fire was, the artillery fire was so heavy it would literally saw the soldiers in half. And they said when the troops would constantly climb and get up there, bodies would be stacked six feet tall. Six feet. But Desmond Doss said, I'm not 
I have to stay true to what I believe. And he went behind all this enemy fire. He stayed up there at night when all the rest were down at base camp. He stayed up there praying that prayer, Lord, one more, one more, and saved not only 75 American lives, physical from death, but he stayed up there and lowered them down one by one throughout the night and continued to pray, Lord, help me get one more, one more. One more. I want to close as we look at the idea of just sharing our faith and just being active in it. I want to close with the question, with the prayer that Desmond Doss prayed. But who's your one more? Who's one more person that God has in your life for a reason? That you can just share your faith with. Who's your one more? Then after this, ask the question, God, who's my one more? One more. Because there's people in our work, there's people in our neighborhoods, there's people in our family and in our friends group and in the classroom that need to know who Jesus is, who's your one more. Because be reminded, when you share your faith, you're playing a part of God's story where lives are impacted and you're reminded of who Jesus is. Let's go and be sharing our faith. Let's be active and ask the question, God, who's my one more? Let me pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning, probably with confession in our heart, knowing that there were times where we know you orchestrated those moments of meeting someone, and we failed to just share our faith whether it was out of fear or we're just busy and just don't want to feel rejected or feel like we just don't have enough. But God, you have a story in our lives and the world needs to know about it. So this morning, we just confess that to you. We pray for more of those opportunities. More of those opportunities to just share who you are with people. And that give, help us to be so passionate about those things. Because heaven and hell are realities. It's, it's true. But God, your plan A was us. There is no plan B. You chose us to bring your message to this world that needs hope and needs healing. May you give us the strength. May you give us a spirit of power and of might to share our faith with those who are in our spheres of influence. God, we love you. We praise you. And it's in your matchless name we pray.